Episode 124, Hamish Hodder. Wowie, how you going, mate? I'm doing well. Are, we, doing are well? we starting? Is this what? This, this is this is it. Wow. Okay. I just jumped straight Jesus. in, didn't I? Gives me no warning. No, nah, no warning whatsoever. It's like you, you, you want to catch me off guard. No. Yeah, I'm doing well. We're uh, back a lot sooner than we uh, than we expected. Yeah, I, know. I think this is great. This I, I really do like doing these podcasts. They're so much better. Um, yeah, we're live, coming at you from Melbourne this week. Mm-hmm. Um, decided to come down purely for a business trip. Purely, there's no football to to be watched. Hmm. No, none at all. No, none at all. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. What sparked that? So it's only been about three weeks, I think, since uh, you came down last time. Yeah. Well, must, must have missed me. I, d- I did. I missed. I missed you, and I missed doing the podcast live. Um, so if you what if you're listening to us on Spotify or, or or Apple Podcasts or whatever, just go over to YouTube and check this one out because we are live in the same podcasting studio that we're at couple weeks ago and uh it's mm. it's good i like it here this is this is the setup this is next we've taken it to the next level now <laughs> yeah yeah the next level above this will be building one of these yeah building and, and having it for our own that would be really cool that yeah. is something i'm very excited about doing at that, some point that would be sweet. I, don't, I don't think it'll be too far away as well yeah well i don't actually think it would cost too much not no. not cost too much more than what we've already got it depends if you get your own studio space or whether mm. you turn a spare bedroom into a yeah, you know, I mean, assuming space. you already had the bedroom, I'm just trying to like looking at like the equipment and trying to think. Well, we've if already got did, most of it. That is true. Mm. I mean, even if you wanted to do everything that's in here, like f- there's like four microphones, a, a Mac, mm. like it wouldn't be more than wouldn't be more than ten thousand dollars. No, it would be probably significantly less than that. And you don't have to have a you don't have to have a yeah. permanent Mac yeah. just sitting in just there. for a podcast. Yeah, you could bring yeah. something in. So it's definitely doable. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, yeah, already got the cameras. You've yep. you've got a, a microphone. I've got a microphone. Buying microphones aren't ultra expensive. No. And then a couple of sets of headphones. You could even do it on the cheap for a couple of thousand dollars. I would say if oh, you've absolutely. already got the space. And then these bits of foam cost nothing. So right. Yeah. Well, we'll have to um. We'll to, yeah, we'll well, we need. To, we just need to live in the same place. That's the problem. Or yeah. in the same I mean, city. I mean, I mean, yeah. The reality is, we would still be using it like fairly infrequent, infrequently. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But no, it's it just flows so much better, doesn't oh, it? When we're great. when we're live, it's like I can actually tell when you're not talking anymore. And yeah, <laughs> it's just so good. It's fantastic. Um, and we've, uh, we've got a few different things to talk about today. Nothing that's kind of, I guess big like news but kind of mm, things that yeah. did happen over the past couple of weeks that are that are kind of unique a couple mm. of a uh, couple of funny i got a funny story to, to yeah go through i'll be a interested bit later. to hear that um and i'm going to be talking about a a monkey playing video games wow <laughs> and how that relates somehow to business <laughs> <laughs> now that that is such a mind-blowing story i know you know oh, what know. i'm talking about yeah. so um Anyway, we'll get through our sponsor bit and then uh, and then we'll get stuck into it. Yes. So, doing this sponsor bit live again for the second time. See, <laughs> see if I do any this better. This video is sponsored by ShareSite. <laughs> yeah, Why I, do you like it, Hamish? I can say that. Why do you use it? Well, first of all, <laughs> this is an application that I've been using for the it past is. few years. It is. That's to... not a lie. It does sound scripted, <laughs> but that's not a lie. It actually is <laughs> yeah. though, yeah. No, I, I actually started using it. I started using it the after the first trade that i made so it was actually literally 2017 made my first investment in a couple of companies and i was like how do i can i track this because like it's hard terrible yeah doesn't doesn't keep track of your 
doesn't keep track of uh, of dividends, dividends yeah. that are reinvested. It doesn't give it to you in that no percentage that, gain number. Yeah, and no chance it tracks currency either. No, no chance. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so that's what ShareSite does. It tracks yeah, all of the different go. types this of things. This sounds gains. so scripted. This is like we're like <laughs> off the cuffing it and yeah, it's like yeah. half a sponsor bit, but then we're actually just talking about it. But yeah, anyway. it is It is kind of weird because <laughs> I don't have a script to do it. I've kind of just put together my own script. Yeah. But it, yeah, it is weird because it's just something that yeah. I genuinely use. Yeah. But yeah, I'm obviously terrible at doing these segments. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. You can it's got lots it. of features. It's got lots of features. You can use it for tax time. <laughs> Generates up to 10 different reports that can be used in tax time to work out things such as your capital gains, dividend income, and more. And at the moment, you can try ShareSite for free by heading over to sharesite.com forward slash young investors. That's site spelled S-I-G-H-T, sharesite.com forward slash young investors. It'll be linked in the YouTube version if you're watching this with the video. And you can get four months of a yearly subscription use that link so yeah definitely go check it's a it good out. deal they do it they do a good deal for us don't they yeah. it is it's i mean it's as good as it gets 33 percent off yeah I mean, it's pretty good getting four months off a yearly subscription that's a lot of months <laughs> yeah you can sign up now and get 11 months off a 12 month yeah. subscription <laughs> that's like the next level that's a, that is as good as it gets but um, um all right what should we lead with do you want to lead with your story or do you want to lead with this monkey playing video games um where should we go i mean yeah we can leave with with my story we All can right, uh, go. we'll start off with a bit of a light-hearted i know the headline you said the headline to me but i've deliberately stayed away from all information around this story mm. because i want i want my reaction to this story to be genuine yes yeah, so and I- it sounds like it's going to be something crazy yeah, I mean, it's look, we'll we'll, we'll see, but okay, I, I think okay, this is okay. a this story is a very good example of if you ever needed any more evidence that there is irrationality in the markets at the moment, this is like <laughs> this is like the pinnacle of of irrationality. Like yeah. if you think if you think Tesla's stock price is irrational or like GameStop's short squeeze is irrational, just wait till you see yeah. what's going who, on with this who company. Who was it that? Um- who was it that was coming out talking about irrational exuberance recently? Was it Monish or was it Charlie? I can't remember. It was I mean, one of I the. I mean, Charlie had his uh, Daily Journal thing where he spoke about I- irritating bubbles and, Irri- and that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, it's probably all of them. Probably <laughs> all of them at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, but this one was from David Einhorn, who is a he. He does describe himself as a as a value hedge fund uh, manager. He has like a long short portfolio, so okay. I think um, Joel Greenblatt does this as well, where they're mm. a value investor, but what they do is they like have like a, a system where they can assess every stock and then they go long on the stocks that are undervalued and, and short on the stocks that are overvalued. So it's a long, short portfolio. Right. Um, but he releases a quarterly letter detailing, you know, the results for the hedge fund. And then he also just talks about the, the general market as a, a lot of these investors do kind of share their op- opinion and, and stuff on the market. Yeah. And uh, in this letter, he uh, he was talking about the kind of exuberance of the, of the market. Right. Okay. And he, <laughs> he drew to this example which is kind of hard to believe when, when you go through it. So, um, he, he spoke about a, a company called Hometown International. Have you heard of it? Aerotyne, Aerodyne, Aerotyne. They make uh, next generation uh, satellites, or radar detectors. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you huge military and civilian applications. <laughs> I mean... You joke about that, but this That's is l- this is literally the, the real life equivalent <laughs> of that. I kid you not. Um, uh, it, it, all right, hit me. It's kind of unbelievable. So, Hometown International is the, and I'll say this in a very uh, invested way. Uh, it's the parent company of a New <laughs> Jersey deli. 
Okay. All right. Like a deli, like meats, cheeses. Correct. Like yes. A deli, deli. And this, you know, this isn't a chain of, of, of delis across the United States or the, or the world. Right. This is a single deli. Right. So this, deli. Is, this is the deli at the end of your street. Yeah. So in your local shops. Correct. Right. Yes. Okay. And, uh, okay. It's uh yeah it it looks interesting from from the the front you should go look this up on CNBC look up this story after you hear this um and it is a single deli that decided to list on the stock market Wait. which first of all that's just a little bit ridiculous do how do they even do that do they IPO this thing <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's just like a a direct a direct listing we'll talk about direct listings a little bit later mm. does a company just like hey I don't even if I if I had a deli or any shop for that matter. I want to go on the stock exchange. You'd be laughed out of an IPO. But it's like, what do you do? Do you, do you apply for a ticker symbol and then you're on? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I got it, no idea. Yeah, I, I believe it trades over the counter, so you can't just like trade it on most brokers. But uh, okay, um, it anyway. is listed on the stock market, and uh, it's a really great business. Revolutionary has, founder yes. takes his Delhi uh, Delhi business uh, pub, uh, public. Mm, yeah, so what he, happens next? So he took a public in uh, 2019. And uh, if, you, if you look at their annual reports over the past two years, yes. the Delhi has produced a total combined of $35,000 in revenue. <laughs> 35000 over the two years. Correct. Two, two years or th- yeah, two and whatever. Around about two years. Yes, yeah. about, about two years. Yeah. So uh, the CEO is also the CFO. The COO, <laughs> the treasurer, and, and the sole director. <laughs> oh, I love this guy. What a legend! And on top of all of those responsibilities, so yeah. he, you know, he's managing a huge company, thirty-five thousand in revenue over two years. <laughs> he's listed on the U.S. stock market. On top of all of that, in his part time, he's also the wrestling coach of the school <laughs> next door to the deli. <laughs> oh, this just keeps getting better. <laughs> All right, so you got this, okay, this so, macho guy that runs a deli that's made thirty-five yeah. grand in revenue. Yeah, part part-time CEO of a of a massive corporation, <laughs> massive global global corporation. Part-time wrestling coach. Yeah. for the school next door to the <laughs> to the yeah. single deli. All right, yeah, sure. So, so I thought we could do a bit of evaluation mm. on this company. We okay. could kind of feel around and, and kind mm. of see what it's worth because maybe we want to invest okay. in this i mean it is public after all and we it is we invest in public companies every now and then that's something we do so yep. thirty-five thousand in revenue over two years how much cash flow is he getting out of that uh so in the latest financial say. year they had uh six hundred thousand in expenses six six hundred thousand in expense <laughs> legitimately legitimately how why what that's that's all we've got. That's that's, the, that's all the that's all the article gave me. Wait, okay, 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 okay. So, thirty five thousand dollars in revenue across mm-hmm. two years. Yeah. In the last year, six hundred thousand dollars of expenses. Yeah. That's gone to. He, I mean, he's not somewhere. He's investing in the future of the business, Brandon. Okay. okay. He, Okay, sure. He's he's really stocked up. He's just all of that. He's taken on huge debt just to get like the next fifty years worth of cheese and and meat. Yeah, he's he's, he's stocking up for the, so, for the winter. Yeah. So there's not much in terms of cash flow out of this deli. No, no, no quite quite ne- the opposite. Quite quite negative. Quite yeah. the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Well. So first of all, I would not be buying this company. Right. Because I, 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 I want it to make money, right? Mm. That's, that's, that's a rule I should follow, right, Hamish? But, but some you people want to make money, yeah. But some, some people are buying this company, mm. I guess. They are. I, I want everyone to take a guess. 
If you're, if you're on the YouTube version, go into the comment section and give us a guess of what you think this company is worth in terms of market cap. So the value of all of the shares. Well, it's worth nothing. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, uh, it's got to be worth at least at least a couple bill. At least a couple, couple bill. bill, yeah. yeah, 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 well, you, yeah, yeah. You're not that far off. <laughs> this company, once again, 35,000 revenue, 600,000 in expenses, is currently listed for $105 million. <laughs> $105 million. $105 million. A hundred... Pause for effect. $105 million. Hmm. And it gets better. Oh, it, really? The, the story... All right. Oh, the story's not over. It's, we're just winding it up. Yeah. All right, sure. This guy is... Uh, he's a genius. This this uh, this deli guy. So, <laughs> I had a look in the... Uh, a little bit briefly through the 2020 annual report. Hmm. For the vast majority of 2020, the deli was closed <laughs> due to the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> of course it was. Of course. Of and course. despite that... The stock price rose from $3.25 to $9.25. And today Jeez. it is $13.50 per share. Jeez. So it's up 4x on the year. That's crazy. It is Man, insane. Man, if you're that guy, aren't you just like, I got to sell this somehow. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. Oh, he actually? did a share issuing. Oh, he, right. He went and raised it. <laughs> that's actually? He did. Legitimately. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not even looking at the notes here. I'm going at 100% off what you're telling me right now. That's exactly what he did. He's probably sitting there thinking, wow, this is a little deli. Somehow yeah. we're worth $100 million. How can I squeeze some money out of this opportunity that yeah, I've somehow not? created? He sold 2.5 million raise, shares raise. and was able to generate over $2 million from the financing section on the cash flow statement. So, wow. Good on him. So, so what, yeah. does, 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 what's he going to do? I don't know, pay himself a big dividend. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's it. Is he going to open any more delis? I mean, I mean sure, it, it, I, imagine if he opened just one more deli, maybe in the next street down, mm. then his company could be worth like $200 million. Correct. Yeah. Maybe you could buy the school and then, you know. Oh, he could do, because it's a parent company, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe he invests in the, in the wrestlings. Maybe it's a <laughs> deli and a wrestling yeah. business. Wrestling team. Yeah. <laughs> he's go- he's going to own the wrestling team and they're, yeah, they're going to promote his deli products at every fight. That's genius. That's it. That's what, no, but this I is mean, the, okay, this is oh, clearly all jokes aside. This is ridiculous. Of course. This yeah. is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And, I, and I've heard some dumb things. I've known you for a while. I've heard some dumb things. Yeah. I, and I mean, the, the crazy thing about this is <laughs> <laughs> we're right over my head. You didn't even respond. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the crazy thing about this the, is. I mean, the crazy thing is 600,000 in expenses. So clearly he's just pulling, he's just like using the capital raise, which yeah. shouldn't even exist i no, mean this is a no. deli for god's sake and one it, single deli and what's he what what business expenses is he buying that's what i'm with wondering that 600 we've been talking for a while and all in the back of my mind is like six hundred thousand. like what the hell like is maybe he has doing? a private jet now <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> who knows but this i mean this is irrational exuberance it's worth 105 million dollars yeah so there you how go. many years of let's say he does thirty five thousand in revenue. Let's say he does thirty five thousand in just pure profit, cash flow straight mm. to. How many years does he have to do that before he <laughs> he gets anywhere close to like a hundred million? 
A long time. It's a long, an extremely long time. time. Anyway, yeah. this is just, that's, that's the, literally that is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I'm yeah. Not gonna lie. So I think very interesting story though. I think it's uh, you started with that Aerotine, whatever that business was. Aerotine uh, into Aerodyne, Aerotine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is literally the real life version of it that. Is, which is uh, it is. That's it's ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. I don't know where to go from that. That's just insane. Yeah. That blows that blows my mind. Hey, blowing minds. Segway. Segway opportunity right wow. here. Very clever. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about this Neuralink story. Because mm. this is insane. For those that don't know, Neuralink is, of course, an Elon Musk venture. Um, and what, what they're doing, what Neuralink is doing, is they're trying to uh, put little electrodes inside your brain sounds a little bit scary they're putting it inside your brain read your neurons and then that goes to some sort of receiver thing and then the idea is that you're going to be able to directly connect your brain to say a computer or you know in the first use case they want to help people connect their brain to muscles for spinal cord injury patients so they can move again um, anyway, so it's all very experimental. It's all just up and coming. They're just kind of getting their feet and trying to test some, doing, doing experiments, different things. And then recently, kind of the news went quiet on Neuralink for a while. Hmm. Um, nothing, we didn't really hear much about it. It was that <clears throat> pigs thing a while ago. Yeah, but that wasn't really mind-blowing. That was kind of just showing that... Showing the, that it was reading the it was reading brain it. like waves or whatever. Exactly. That, yeah. They had the Neuralink in there and the the pigs were sniffing food or something. And yeah, it showed it that, look, their snout was moving. Yeah. yeah. It was like, okay, cool. So, you've tapped yeah. into their brain and you can see that there's activity yeah. in their brain. The pig's thinking. Yeah, the, the, yeah, <laughs> the pig's alive and it's trying to sniff a food. All right, cool. Yeah. This takes things to a whole new, new level. And if you, uh, if you have not seen this story... Um, it's on, if you haven't seen this video, it's on YouTube and I'll definitely encourage if you're watching us on YouTube right now, just pause us for a sec, go look up Neuralink. Um, I don't know, monkey experiment. I don't can't Mm. remember what it's called. Yeah. No, it's called mind pong, mind pong. Okay. (laughs) Pong, like the video game mind, like your brain. So look that up. It is Mm. amazing. So let me tell you what happened. So they have this nine year old, I think it's nine year old macaque, this monkey. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he's got this joystick and he's playing video games and he has to move the cursor around the screen and he has to move the cursor into the box. Hmm. When he moves the cursor into the box, he gets a little bit of banana smoothie coming through his tube and he goes... (laughs) And then he has to move the cursor into the next box Hmm. and so on. So he's playing this game and he's moving this cursor around with this joystick. Um, And then he gets really good at it and he loves his banana banana smoothie. He gets the Neuralink put into his brain. Okay. The Neuralink is then reading the neural activity from when he's moving this, moving this joystick Hmm. and they're figuring out, okay, so when he wants to move the cursor left, look, these neurons light up. These things light up. Yeah. And then when he moves it right, these neurons light up. Hmm. The Neuralink, then they run that information through a decoder. Okay. So they figure out, you know, what... You know, action that way. Yes, those, you know, they, they kind of, they link it to the video game. Anyway, so then what happens next is they unplug the joystick. So the joystick does not work anymore, uh, but he's still holding it in his hand. And then they play the same game, but it's the Neuralink that is powering the movement of the cursor. So he's still mm-hmm. moving the cursor. The monkey's got no idea that the cursor's doing nothing. I mean, mm. the, the joystick, sorry. The joystick's doing nothing. Mm. And then he's playing this game, moving the cursor into the box and getting his banana smoothie with his mind. 
with his mind, Hamish. It is insane, right? It's it it, it, it seems crazy, but at the, at the same time, it seems like logical to me. It makes it, sense. It makes sense that if your brain is just this big, very complex computer, yeah. that even if we can't do it today based on technology, that at some point you would be able to track everything that's going on in there and understand yeah. everything that's going on. Yeah. And this is kind of a, a basic, but a very compelling example or like display mm. of, of that. And uh, it, it is mind blowing. It's crazy. If you just, and then to take it one step further. Hmm. So this, this monkey's playing, he's moving this cursor around into the boxes, getting his banana smoothie with his mind. Hmm. And he's still wiggling this joystick, even though the joystick's not plugged in, it's not doing anything. But then the next thing is they teach him to play Pong, you know, Pong with hmm. the yeah, the sliders and the do, 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 back and forth. And he's moving this slider up and down. And then the craziest thing is, is they take away the joystick. So the monkey's just holding onto this tube. He's not really, he's not really holding on to anything. He's holding onto this tube as he's sipping his banana smoothie as he <laughs> hits the ball. Yeah. And he he's not even doing anything. He's just sitting there drinking his banana smoothie and his, he is playing Pong and moving that up and down, moving that, I don't know, whatever you call it, bat, baton thing. Mm. He's moving it with his mind. Yeah. And his hands aren't, his hands are just holding on to this banana smoothie machine. <laughs> he's not even like wiggling the joystick anymore. He's mm. literally playing Pong with his brain. Mm. Oh my God. Yeah, that now, is ridiculous. When I saw yeah. that, I was just like, wow, wow. <laughs> I watched it like 15 times and after 15 times I sat there and I was like, wow. It, wow. it is kind of crazy that the monkey can do it without the joystick because you understand yeah. keeping the joystick because the monkey might not understand that it's yeah, not yeah. plugged in. He still needs to move it, but he's thinking obviously at the same time as he's moving it so the, the mm. Neuralink can use it. But the fact that the monkey can do it without the joystick is insane. And the monkey kind of at, at least at some level knows that it just has to think about where to move the pong thing yeah that is crazy that's insane yeah i i think the it's also very impressive that it's done on like a monkey it's like the obviously it's yeah. our closest kind of uh yeah. animal relation yeah pigs is one thing but you can't really like relate to that mm. um, they're not moving but a monkey <laughs> you look at the monkey and you're like that's me they're yeah like, yeah I, <laughs> You know, just on a tangent, I actually went to Mogo Zoo not too long ago. Oh, yeah. And they've got, you know, rhinos and giraffes. It's all well and good. Mm. Um, uh, lions and whatever. And they're all awesome animals. But I tell you what, I, I hadn't been to a, a zoo in the longest time. And I walked past the gorillas. Mm. And after I saw those gorillas, I just was so interested in the gorilla. I didn't even care about the giraffes. And it's like, oh yeah, whatever. Giraffe, zebra, you know, go have fun. I was just looking at the gorillas. And I was just staring at this gorilla. And he's, you know, just, he's got some things in his hands, some bit of food, and he's like manipulating it and eating it. And he, mm. he sits there and he kind of crosses his arms and he's just sitting there on his rock. And he just looks around at everyone walking past. And I'm like, that was the first time, because I haven't been to a zoo in a long time. I, li mm. I looked at this real life gorilla in front of me and I went, yeah, you know what? That that's us. That's yeah. that's definitely us. I, I get the same feeling with gorillas yeah. or monkeys or like uh, orangutans or anything like down that path. <laughs> yeah. When you go to a zoo, it's the only animal, or not the only one, but like it's probably the highest animal where when I'm watching it, I actually feel sad. Yeah. For the animal, like yeah, you absolutely. Act, like it's you feel like wow, that that thing's not far off being a human. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like yeah, other I, animals, obviously I feel sad that they're in cages. I didn't mean that. But yeah. like you have a bit more of a disconnect when it's like a giraffe, yeah. you know, or like a, a rhino's just walking around. You're like, oh, that that is sad that it's in captivity. But like 
it's you can't yeah. really connect with it. Whereas you no. look at a monkey in the eye and you're like, two eyes, nose, yeah, mouth. It's eating with its hands. Yeah, like, it, yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, it is. I kind of, I kind of looked at it, and it's almost like when you make eye contact with like a gorilla or with a monkey, mm. you kind of just sit there and you have that feeling where it's just like I can't, I can't talk to you, mm. but I feel like I could, like I could communicate with you. I feel like you know what I what I'm thinking and I know what you're thinking. Mm. I think like we're on a similar level here. It's yeah. just, it's so bizarre. Anyway, that's a tangent. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, Neuralink's getting good. They're, it's getting they've, good. They've really upped it. I, yeah. And I was, I was just going to, people might say, yeah, this is fantastic, but okay. Where, where does this actually come into, into kind of helpful business, interesting news? Mm. I actually think it could be a fairly, good like a business for good because the first application of this Neuralink thing is going to be for people with spinal cord injuries mm-hmm. um and i don't know if, if people out there don't don't have much of an understanding of spinal cord injuries but spinal cord injuries are are literally some of the um well they're some of the worst injuries you can have clearly but they're mm. also some of the saddest definitely because it's, it's people that have fully functioning bodies and then something something traumatic happens to them and then they're still the same person, so they're not cognitively affected, but they lose the ability to use their own body, yeah. which sucks. Because you can imagine how cri- how devastating that would be mm. if you just if you were you, and you know one day you're walking around hanging around with your friends, and then the next day you can't you can't move. You yeah. literally you, you can think, you can feel, you can talk, or you can you know you can communicate, but you can't move. Yeah, and and you can take an inju- injury like that mm. that's not that forceful. Like if you get hit wrong in the back of the neck, in the back or, of the, yeah. or the back of the head, mm. it can be a quite a light I- injury. Yeah. on the on the scheme of things, it's rugby like, tackle, correct? Yeah, uh, like yeah, you land incorrectly with your head in yeah. a certain way, and and it it can be devastating. Yeah, it just goes straight through your spinal cord. Yeah. So but and and that's obviously very sad because when those spinal cord injury patients go and see a doctor or they're in the hospital, they get told by someone that look, based on what we know, based on our current technology and current medicine, you're not going to move again. I'm sorry, yeah. but you're just not. It's just physically impossible because yeah. your spinal cord is severed. But the the amazing thing, and I don't want to jump the gun here and say, oh, spinal cord patients are going to be able to walk again or something like that. Yeah. But the amazing thing is, is that this. Okay, so where does all of our movement stem from? It stems from our brain. Our brain tells my fingers to move or, you know, our legs to walk. So, it's Mm. all generated from the brain. You can stick things in your brain to read your brain signals and then you can bridge the gap Mm -hmm. of the spinal cord. You can go to the peripheral nerve and you can add, you know, um, some sort of... Uh, device in there that talks to the Neuralink so that you can fire your per- your muscles in your periphery mm. from your brain. So it's it's literally using technology technology to bridge the gap that you've now got in your anatomy, which is just like yeah. And then from there, I mean, people who've lost limbs, you you could think you'd be able to quite easily once you have that kind of technology, you could easily yeah. have a prosthetic that prosthetic. works just perfectly. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. To take it to the next level, the the crazy thing where this is going to start getting really interesting from like an investing standpoint in a proper like mass market business mm. is when, say, the Neuralink helps you 
connect to a computer without your hands, without mm. without any interaction with the computer. You can have a screen in front of you or you could just learn to do it from within, within your own mind. You could Google search, you could watch Netflix, you can do this all with your mind. If you had a Neuralink and I had a Neuralink, the Neuralinks could be connected. We could talk to each other. <laughs> we could talk to each other mm. in silence. We could just... <laughs> Imagine that. No one just no one speaks anymore. It'd be bizarre. Everyone's just like mm. Mm. people listening to this on Spotify right now are just like, <laughs> is there something wrong with the podcast? <laughs> really need to be on the YouTube version for this one, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's so crazy. You could you could you could talk to someone, talk to someone on mm. the other side of the world without speaking without mm. seeing them, without interacting with a computer, you just be like... Doo, 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 doo. <clears throat> and the crazy thing that's still like 50 years away is when this technology gets so <clears throat> so good that you're starting to blend your own brain with like artificial intelligence. Mm. So it's like if, if, you is, want, mm. if you wanted to know, if you wanted to learn carpentry skills, mm. brrr, download, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right? Like you could bypass... Your eyes, because your eyes are obviously inputting directly into your brain. Yeah. If you could just bypass your eyes. Yeah. And just connect straight into the yep. straight into the web page. Yep. You could. So <laughs> it sounds insane, but it. This is the thing with this kind of technology. It sounds absurd, and maybe we will never see it. Maybe. Like in our yeah. generation, but it also sounds logical to me. Yeah. Like it's not something that's like, like some like some things are obviously they sound absurd. They're in the movies, and you know like deep down that's never gonna or we're not we're not gonna see that for like yeah you know that's like ten thousand years away yeah stuff like this seems logical that Mm. that we could see it you can see the pathway as to how it would be possible with modern technology yeah and it's not as absurd i always go back to this um when thinking about like future technology it's not if you told someone 150 years ago or 100 years ago oh yeah so we're gonna have this thing where you can you you hold up a little device you say hello and then you ask a question and mm. that the question is answered. Yeah. That's like, people will be like, get stuff. Yeah, like, no, that, way. That, that's, no way. That's never, that's never <laughs> going to happen. And then 100 years later, that's all we have. So, to then say, oh, yeah, in, a, in 150 years, you'll be able to just think of a question and the answer will be in your brain. Mm. That is obvious, obviously absurd. Yeah. But it's I reckon possible. it will happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Internet's getting more mature. And, and if you're watching this in 100, yeah. 150 years from now... <laughs> we guessed it. Hello. <laughs> if you're watching this episode, yeah. we should we should These just... These two guys are geniuses. We're like... In... <laughs> <laughs> but gosh, they talk funny. It's so old-fashioned the way they talk. History lesson. Now, this video is back from the 2000s. Yeah. See what they thought about the year 3000. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll be brought up in the future. Wow, We're the better. quality. Is that 4K? That's terrible. That's garbage, man. I can't even make out. What, what does he look like? That's so hard to see <laughs> anyway Neuralink wowie wowie that blew my mind amazing yeah definitely go watch it uh, if you have not done so already what else should we talk about one we more should... one more story yeah we'll do, we'll do one more story and then we'll jump into some, uh, yeah. some questions well we should talk about the Coinbase IPO yes we should yeah because... everyone else is talking about it so we, we have to we have to it's just just the way just yeah. the way it works I was actually you'd be surprised I this IPO, well, it's not actually an IPO, but this listing, it, it surprised me. The outcome surprised me. Really? I, yeah. I have no knowledge of okay. this, so enlighten me. 
Um, okay, so first of all, what is Coinbase? Because to be honest, I kind of know, but I kind of don't. So I, I just did a little bit of digging to, to, to get myself up to speed. Uh, here's what it says. Share, uh, shares of Coinbase Global Inc., the largest US cryptocurrency exchange, started trading Wednesday under the ticker symbol COIN. The company founded in 2012 provides a variety of financial services focused on Bitcoin and around 50 other cryptocurrencies. It is the first major crypto company to go public and did so through a direct listing. Um, So IPO versus direct listing. I was like, I think I know. And I was like, I don't really know. So I looked that up as well. Mm -hmm. So direct listings are also known as direct placement or direct public offerings. In this process, the company sells shares directly to the public without getting help from intermediaries. Right. So with an IPO, new shares of the company are created and are underwritten by an intermediary. The underwriter works closely with the company throughout the IPO process, including deciding the initial offer price price of the shares, helping with regulatory requirements, by buying the available shares from blah, 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 a whole, whole host of other, thing, uh, other things and features. Um, and their network comprises of investment banks and broker dealers and mutual funds and insurance companies. Hmm. Um, now, with direct listing, the direct listing process, the business sells shares directly to the public without the help of any intermediaries. It's right. just the company just battling out themselves. Um it does not involve any underwriters or other intermediaries. That's what I just said. There are no new shares issued and there is no lockup period. So that's interesting. Right. Um, I don't know where the volume comes from then. If there's no new shares issued. Right. I, I guess it's just uh, shareholders. shareholders from the, when the business was private. Just selling. Getting out basically. Because I mean, mm. I mean the, the basic idea behind an IPO is to obviously raise capital for the business, yeah. but also to let the initial investors take some money off the table. Because mm. if you're investing in a company that's private, you, you're not usually, in at least in, in most cases, you're not getting a dividend. So you're just kind of praying that there's a point at which you're offered an opportunity to sell those shares. Yes. And that's usually what an IPO does. So. <laughs> Um, hmm. Interesting. Interesting yeah. to know the difference. I did not know the difference between a, a direct listing yeah. and, a, and an IPO. So they don't use a, an investment bank to kind of get shareholders on board or institutional mm. investors on board and, and to broker all of the deals. Yeah. But it's interesting. also interesting that it doesn't look like there's new shares issued. Right. So it's just like... Yes. They're not diluting the share. Pool. Yeah. Right. Okay. But they're also not... I guess it, they're not raising capital either. Right. If there's no new shares issued... Because they're not creating any... Correct, yeah. yeah. So, so maybe they're going to do a share issue. I mean, you would imagine they'll do a share issuing at, at some point. I don't know. And I mean, I guess now that they're public, they have the option to do a share issuing in that way, like easy yeah. to raise. So it's yeah. not like they have to raise on IPO. But yeah, that is so inter- that know. is interesting. Because normally, yeah. I mean, normally company, private companies like, oh, let's cash in here. So they, they just, you know, when markets are high, they're just like, oh, let's take up our company public and let's make a squillion dollars by selling new shares, mm. you know? So I, I, I don't know. I'm a little bit out of my depth with this, but, um, but that seems to be what's happened. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so Coinbase, what do they actually do? Coinbase's platform enables retail and institutional customers to buy, sell and store cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin and Ethereum. The company primarily reaches customers via its Coinbase, Coinbase Pro and Coinbase wallet apps. <laughs> Um, and interestingly, Coinbase uh, had a total of about 56 million retail users as of Q1 2021. So, wow. it's a lot of people. Yeah. That's, that's kind of scary, but it's a <laughs> lot more of than people. I expected. It is a lot of people. That's what I was thinking like, 
coin back because you know i don't know if you get these email you probably do get these emails from like crypto broker things like hey we Mm. want to sponsor your content and you hear so many of these different appy kind of names Mm. like coinbase or you know i don't know what the other ones voyager i don't know fireflies or something yeah i don't know something in that vein yeah suddenly what's bitconnect bitconnect was that scam it was a scam oh right okay i can't even remember that wasn't that long ago though was it no no that was oh it was like in 2017 oh okay um but yeah so anyway i'm always just thinking look how are these things like tiny little uh companies just trying to get a slice of you know the bitcoin trend Mm. um so i was very surprised to read that there's 56 million users on coinbase that is a that's a lot of people yeah um so how do they make money uh roughly 90 percent of the company's revenues uh came from the transaction fees from trading and via services such as storage and analytics Hmm. So, uh, Coinbase charges its customers transaction fees estimated at about 0.5% based on volumes that they trade. So, it's kind of just like a stockbroker, I guess. Yeah. Um, with the bigger the trades, the lower the fees kind of thing. Of course. Yeah. So, Makes sense. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Um, so, they IPO'd. Well, not IPO'd. They direct listed, but they they, they went public. Yes. Um, and uh, very... This is where... This is what surprised me. Yeah. T- t- give us the details of okay, uh, how so it went. The shares... They ca- they started trading on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Okay, they started trading on Wednesday. They opened at $381 per share. Right. In the first trading day, do you think the shares... What do you think the shares closed at? I mean, given the amount of speculation, I would say higher, but I don't know what. Uh, Go on. You want a number? Yeah, I want a number. What did you say? Three, eight. They opened at $381 per share. Where did they uh, close? I don't know. Probably something stupid like... For 10, for 20. They went down. Really? They went down. Oh, no. This is, let me get this straight. This is a company going public in these times. Mm. And it's a cryptocurrency business. And it went down. Wow. It went down. Down. There must have been a lot of pre-IPO investors who wanted to get <laughs> yeah, out. Probably, to be honest. But <laughs> how crazy is that? It's just like it is somebody, kind of unheard of. Though. If somebody came up and said, "Oh, we got this. Uh, there's this uh, Bitcoin cryptocurrency new public offer. Well, not public. Offer, it went public, and you know, what do, what do you what do you think? What, what do you think the trend's going to be? Oh, I'll probably go up a, a bunch in in the in this crazy times. It shouldn't, but it probably will. It's actually pretty crazy to see that it didn't go up. Uh, it yeah. did. It actually, you were right a little bit because it did go up during the day. It rose as, uh, up okay. to as high as four hundred and twenty nine dollars and fifty four cents. Right. So it went, brrr, but then fell back down and uh, mm. closed. Where did it close? Three hundred and twenty eight dollars wow. and twenty eight cents. <laughs> Second trading day, did it go up or down? Well, it went down the first day. I'm going to say down again. Yeah, you're right. Mm. It did go down the second day. And now it's at oh, 322. I, I should be a trader. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> I feel like that's how most traders start. <laughs> yeah. They've guessed like three days in a row. Yeah. Up, like, down, up. <laughs> Facebook stock went down today. Oh, I did it. Yeah. Google stock went up today. <laughs> uh, it's, so, it's probably true though, to be honest. I mean, if you can guess three days in a row you should probably make a trading course and yeah teach others how to do it too <laughs> <laughs> you like that one yeah it's good it's a few of those got around um anyway so that's uh, mm. that's coinbase 
What, what um, was the value of like the company overall? Oh, uh, I wrote it down. I can't remember off the top of my head. Let me have a look. Uh, ba, 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 ba. It briefly had a valuation of more than 110 billion. I think it's around about 80, 80 billion. 80 billion? Jesus. Yes. I think you're billion. right. I think I did say the market. Okay. I think 80 to 88 billion, somewhere around there. Hmm. Um, That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> but there you go. There you go, Hamish. So, are you investing in Coinbase? Oh, I'm all in. Yeah, naturally. Yeah, yeah. I feel like. Is, is there any other way to be? Yeah. From, from what <laughs> are I've you s- a true investor unless you're all in on Bitcoin? No, you're not. <laughs> for, for- this is this is dangerous being live because we're just so like we're ramping up the sarcasm times a million yeah. when we're live because we're just like full on bantering. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, I think if you have a YouTube channel, you have to have invested in this IPO. Yeah, I it's think, in. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you. Pretty sure. You Is remember that- joining the YouTube Partner Program? They've added a line saying you have to talk about Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. They they give us think topics to talk about. Exactly. Google's yeah. like, we're going to be buying Coinbase. Yeah. We're going to buy a billion dollars worth of Coinbase. We need you to we need you to talk about it. They manipulate the algorithm a little bit, push all the. <laughs> Tell you what, probably you you're imagine? probably onto something there. Why am I seeing so many Waymo videos? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Oh, they probably would too. Antitrust law doesn't bother so them easy clearly. Them to do that, yeah. Anyway, hmm. um, do you want to talk about? That's probably everything we got to talk about. <clears throat> yeah, let, I reckon let's let's see what topics uh, people wanted us yeah, to talk Yeah. So about. for context, just on YouTube last night, um, I just reached out and said if anybody has yes questions, but also if they just had topics that mm. they wanted us to discuss then they could just uh, let us know and um, we'll talk about them. So, Absolutely. Um, let's, let's, pick, let's pick a topic. Um, this person, let's, we've covered this before. Um, they, they want us to talk about SPACs, Special right. purpo- Purpose Acquisition Companies, mm-hmm. so I'm correct. Yes. Uh, I feel like we know what we're going to say about SPACs, but let's see. Um, mm. Are there any SPACs that you've seen which are like, oh, this could be interesting? Or not really? Not really. I mean, there's a, there's just so many things that just go against, uh, like I guess the value investing principles that yeah. I, I look at. Basically, you're you're just taking a bet on uh, someone else making a good investment decision, right? Because, because a spac, what's a spac? A spac is when you're when you give money to a shell company that's going mm-hmm. to buy another company. Correct. But yeah. you don't know what that company is. Yeah. Be. So you don't know what. Your, what company you're buying. You don't know what valuation that company is going to be bought at. The only right. thing you know is the person who is going to be the one selecting the investment. Uh, so it might okay. be like Bill Ackman has done a couple of them. And- so it's like an ultra bet on the management team. Yeah. Or, or so the, the, C, the, the, yeah, the manager. Pretty much. It's a bet yeah. on a person. Yes. Right. Yeah. But I mean, the other thing is, so not only do you not know what you're investing or at what valuation, it's, a, it's almost always going to be a company that's not public, which means the valuation already is going to be high like valuation kind of starts very very high for businesses when expectations are really high they're growing a lot as a young company they're not profitable then they go public and they have a hundred pe you see these companies and then over time as the company becomes something like substantial the 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 valuation gets a little bit more normal so you're buying into a company that's you know not public yet it's probably going to be a crazy valuation and you don't know what it is that they're going to buy so yeah, kind of goes against everything that I, that I believe in. The yeah. uh, the exam the thing that I I've said a few times is, if like Warren Buffett did one, which he will never do this, obviously, but if he, he doesn't did, need to. that would be like the set of circumstances where I would be possibly interested. <clears throat> but even in that case, 
great investors on a single bet, like it, they make bad decisions. Oh, absolutely. Like most, even good investors, maybe three out of 10 mm. will be terrible yeah. or, or maybe even more than that. So yeah. a single bet, it's like cloning Buffett on his next investment. Whatever he picks next, you just clone him on that. Yeah. Maybe it's okay. But unless you've been cloning everything he's done for 20 years, you're not getting the basket. You're not getting the whole, mm. you're not getting the whole Buffett. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a lot yeah, of people yeah. thought about that. This is a bit of a tangent, but a lot of people thought that on in terms of the airlines, like when Buffett invested in the airlines, everyone was like, oh, this is a big investment for him. It was like $40 billion, $10 billion in each or whatever it was. Yep. Uh, or a couple billion in each, I think. And uh, a lot of people just followed him into it. And it was, you know, it's one of his regrettable investments, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. So any single investment like that, it's it's uh, it's not that interesting to me. And yeah, SPAC is just a, it's just a new thing. Mm. It is. It's just yeah. a, it's just a fancy. It's a, it's a well dressed up IPO. That's basically what it is. Yeah, but it's also a well dressed up IPO where you're going in with your eyes shut because you have no idea what you're going to buy. So it's a, so it's an IPO that's not dressed well and you're blind. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> You've got no idea. <laughs> you you yeah, poked got, your eyes out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think it's good. I'm not sure. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm the any, same. Any thoughts? Yeah. Any oh thoughts? yeah, just I just stay away. Mm. Uh, well, I don't I don't know I don't know enough about the process of SPACs to mm. be able to be like, oh yeah, sure, why not? Let's let's buy into one. I think what you said, if someone like Warren Buffett did one, and he said, look. I don't know what I'm going to buy yet because I think a lot of the times they don't even know what they're going to buy yet. Yeah, they SPAC. don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, I think if he came out and he said, look, I'm going to do this SPAC and these are the principles of a- an investment that I will buy, like long history of cash flows, you know, good mm. management, uh, good management, clear economic moat. And he listed, this is, these are all of the pointers and any company that I buy with this SPAC is going to follow all of these. Then I'd yeah. be like, oh, maybe. But then again, yeah, it's just, <laughs> he doesn't, he clearly doesn't need to because he runs Berkshire Hathaway. You just be like, oh, we've got like $100 billion in the bank. We'll just go, go and buy that. Just be a Berkshire sh- uh, Hathaway shareholder. But yeah, yeah, I, I can't it, see myself buying a SPAC. Yeah, I mean, I think, it, I can't remember if it was Buffett or, or Munger or, or someone else on, on that topic they, about buying a whole business as well. Like, that's the other thing is in a SPAC, you're usually buying the whole company and then you take the company private. Mm. It's very hard to get really good value investments or buying businesses undervalued if you're buying the whole business because you're at least when you're buying a small part of the business, then the the founders or the original investors may still have a piece of the business. But if they're selling the entire thing, mm. they want a good deal. Yeah. They want a good valuation. They want to be selling it when it's the valuation is high. Mm. So yeah. the likelihood that you buy a SPAC and they're able to buy like a Bloomberg was one that was mm. possible or, or a Robin Hood that you're getting that undervalued. Like, no, yeah. the, the, the founders are going to want to cash out big time. Yeah. And, and it's always yeah. more expensive to buy a controlling interest, isn't it? Yeah. If, if you buy a controlling interest, then the prices, yeah, because you yeah. take control of it. So yeah, very very difficult to to, mm. to do that. Yeah. So, um. Should we pick another topic to talk about? Yeah. This one just after it is kind of in relation to this. Maybe we can just lump this together with it. But yeah, uh, this person asks thoughts on investing in penny stocks slash pre revenue companies, uh, where you can't invest based on financials as much. Mm. Um. Just before you jump in, yes, but only hometown international. That's <laughs> town international. What was it called? Oh, the, the deli. The deli. Well, yeah, that's the called. only only hometown international. Hometown international. My my new de- my New Jersey deli CEO 
part-time wrestling coach. That would have been... Yeah. Uh, Are you going to make a... Can you... On your platform, mm. can the next stock you do... Be that be one? Be that one. Mm. <laughs> that, that would, would be, be good. You should have done that report on your on your business for April Fool's. You should True. have done it. You should April the 1st. That would have been good. Yeah. That would have been fantastic. Yeah, Just this yeah. report about this $105 million value. Oh, I, do, I do like Bitcoin or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Management, management doesn't have a management, but, <laughs> yeah, but that's why what's not? so great about but it. But YOLO, <laughs> but decentralized, dude. <laughs> uh, all right. So thoughts on investing in penny stocks, pre-revenue companies where you can't invest uh, based on financials as much. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> pre-revenue that's an that's a that's something you should run away from yeah if you hear the words pre-revenue that's scary it just means uh we want to make money but we don't yeah. <laughs> that's what pre-revenue means um no uh, like okay in all honesty if if you want to find a stock that's mm. going to be like it's going to go up a thousand x and that, that sounds great. I'd like a stock to go up a thousand X if I was an investor. Mm. Chances are you're going to be very, very early. <clears throat> yeah. So if you want a massive monster return like that, you're going to have to be early. Um, I don't care about getting, you know, I'd love a thousand X, but I don't care about that. I much prefer finding great companies with solid track records, you know, cash flows, buying them long-term slowly goes up over time. That's great. Mm. That's my bread. I love it. Um, but, you know, if... if if you're going to hit a thousand X company, a thousand bagger, then it's just like, yeah, you're going to get in early before anyone else is in, before there's financials, before you learn anything. Yeah. And if, if you want to try that, like I'm, I'm fine with that. I've done in the mm. past where it's like, oh, this tiny company looks like it's got a grand vision and it could be a big thing. Mm. I don't know anything about the financials. And I've still bought shares in it. And that sounds crazy because I talk mm. so much about all this other stuff. But I think the... The only thing to do is to make sure that if you're doing that, it's just the smallest little percentage of your portfolio. I think Phil yeah. Town says, you know, yeah, you, you're going to find this company which doesn't tick the boxes, but you still want to buy it mm. because it could be like what it could be. Yeah. Um, but just make sure, just recognize yourself that you are an investor and this is not investing. Mm. This is speculating. And, you know, once or twice, it's okay to speculate, but just make sure. It's like if it's like going to the casino. Hmm. You wouldn't say you've got a net worth of 150 grand. You would not go to the casino with $150,000 in your pocket. No. No. Yeah. You would go there with like 100 bucks. Yeah. Say, okay, once it, 100 bucks, I might make money. I could lose it all. I'm yeah. going to have a good time. You know, I'm interested. But if I lose my money, it's not crippling. And that's yeah. the same way I kind of view penny stocks, pre-revenue companies, things that could be but it's a long way away. Mm. It's a gamble. That's how I treat them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you think along the same path or differently? Do you just stay away completely? Um, I mean, in terms of, I, I agree with your philosophy on yeah. like, if you want to have a little bit of a, a gambling part of your portfolio, 1%, 2% or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I agree that I think that's good. It, it's kind of like a nice outlet, I think for most it's people, because fun. if it allows you to be very, very patient in the rest of your portfolio, then yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. If you need that outlet, and, and you just want to have some fun with a little bit of the portfolio. I completely understand that. Yep. I don't actually do that myself, though. Right. Um, I, in the last... I have one business in my portfolio, which I would describe as speculative, but I made the investment almost four years ago. Right. And I haven't done anything since then. So, I'm, I really have no interest in businesses like that. It's just very hard. If, if there's no strong financial background for a company for many years, mm. it is very hard to like emotionally manage that company 
while you're holding it over many years. Like as, as that stock drops 50%, what do you do? If it's a company that has a massive track record and they're going through something that they've gone through many times in the past, some kind of short-term problem, you know exactly what to do. If the stock goes down and it's at a good price, you can invest more. But with something like a penny stock, you, like how do you manage that over time? Yeah. If it goes up 10x, are you out? Or are you just going to hold on for a thousand x? Good point. It goes up fifty x. Now are you out? Yeah. Now you've turned a thousand dollars into fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Are you out now? Yeah, I'd be out. <laughs> I'd take that. <laughs> I think I would be out at two thousand. Yeah. <laughs> like if if I if you're speculating, yeah, and you true. have no idea. I wouldn't let it run that far. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's like people who've held Bitcoin for for like eight to ten years. Like obviously, I I it's not my not my cup of tea, but like props to you for holding it. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, props to you. If you had Bitcoin and you paid $10 for a bunch of them and you watched it go to 100, 10X, go to 1,000, yeah. 100X, 10,000, <laughs> 1,000X, yeah. and you're still holding on to wherever it is now, 80,000, you are insane. But props to you. But good on you. Yeah. You are a big believer. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah. So that, that's the that's kind of my view on it. You, I think sure. If- have have a bit of fun. Have speculate on something. <laughs> Look, I yeah. I don't go. To, I don't gamble at all on nah, horse races or anything. But every now and then I will go to the casino and I do find it fun. Right. But like not very often. Like maybe once every two years yeah, or something. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. not something that. I don't know. For some people, that's a nice outlet, for, mm. I think, yeah. as long as you can manage it. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. But it's not something I'm particularly f- interested in. Mm. And I, th- I think that's because, like, when... Why, why don't... I think the question is, why don't you go to the casino more often? Why don't you go every week? And I think that it's because you know that the odds are stacked against you. Mm. And I think when... So, you go there for fun every now and again, but yes. you don't go in there expecting, you know, you don't go any, in every week expecting you're making money. Yeah. It's like the know? price of entry for Disneyland is like 350 or whatever. Yeah. If you go for the whole day or the weekend, that's the price of going to the casino. You yeah. put 350 up, five, yeah. whatever it is, mm. that's your price of entry. If you come out with it, good on you. And I think like, that the same, it. yeah, the same thing can be applied over to, to the penny stock thing is don't, you know, mm. have a bit of fun, but don't expect that you're going to make money. It is high risk. So don't expect that things are going to work yeah. out. And there will there will always be a percentage of people who start out just testing, the, just having 1% yeah. and get sucked into it. In the same way that yeah, someone's course. like, oh, I liked going to the casino. Yeah, it's and then gambling. They, and yeah. then they win a couple thousand dollars and they're like, oh, I want to Hello. come back next week. <laughs> and I'm going to I'm gonna bring 10K next week and yeah. I'm going to set myself up for life. Like, so, it's people who think that with penny stocks. That's right. You could pay off your mortgage. <laughs> Imagine if the casino was like that. How much are you going to bet? $100? You got 200 yeah. No, no, I think you got more. Yeah. This is the best bet I've seen in six months. If you... <laughs> you just hit the number three times in a row, you're set. Yeah, exactly. You pay off your mortgage. Yeah. You got a wife? You yeah. got kids? You could buy your wife that ring. That's right. She'd love you if you did that. <laughs> Just high pressure sales tactics in the casino. <laughs> That'd be crazy. So immoral. Oh, very immoral. Uh, all right, let's move on. Next thing. What should we talk about? Yeah. Here's a quick one. Current cash position of my portfolio is getting close to 50%. I was wondering if either of you were in a similar scenario and if you would accept a lower margin of safety in order to deploy some cash or how and how strict are you at both following that 50% margin of safety? That's a good question. Yeah. Do you want me to answer that one? Yeah, go for it. Thoughts? Yeah. So, certainly there's been a lot of period, a lot, a lot of times over the past couple of years where my 
portfolio has gone, you know, around 50% in cash or, or maybe even a little bit more than that. My rule of thumb now has been to have, if, I, if I'm going over 50% in cash, like I'm going above that, that's the point at which I want to start looking for opportunities for a smaller return, a smaller margin of safety. Because I always, my kind of benchmark has been that I always want to be at least half invested, regardless mm. of the environment, regardless of what I think about how overvalued businesses are. I want to be at least 50% in the market yeah, right. at all times. That's kind of my benchmark. Maybe you, you could say that's kind of irrational, a more pure method would be to value everything and and be and be willing to go more in cash when things are extremely overvalued but that's kind of my rule of thumb Hmm. the only exception to that is um i maybe over the next 12 months we'll be looking to invest in a property so i'm kind of letting my cash like go up a little bit because naturally that's gonna need to be there i think we're like in the same position because that's exactly the same with me as well yeah 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 I'm, I, I just need my two years of self-employment history. Yep. Because uh, that's what you need if that's you're self-employed. It. That's it, buddy. And, same uh, as me. Then I'll be, I'll be ready to go. Yeah. No, so. exactly the same. Um, yeah, normally I would like to be much more heavily invested. Um, would I take a, a lower margin of safety? Uh, maybe it depends on what kind of company I was buying. If I was quite confident mm. um, and it's a very well-known company and it's got a very good track record, then maybe I would accept a lower margin of safety. I, w- I don't think I'd accept more than... Uh, oh, sorry. I wouldn't think I'd accept less than a 30% margin of safety. Um, and I think if you're new to investing, it's good to always focus on 50% just in case you make it an error. But mm-hmm. um, for, for some of the strong moat companies with amazing balance sheets that we like we have looked into in the past uh how likely is it that you're going to get a 50 percent in anywhere you know any any condition that we're going to see in the next year or two it's probably going to be quite unlikely so yeah i mean there are companies where i would feel comfortable investing at like a 20 or a 30 percent margin of safety uh but and i wouldn't just wait for the 50 percent just to try and get a little bit more money into the market but Mm. i'm in the same boat as you as i'm i'm waiting at the moment for um, waiting to buy a house. So most of my money is out of the market at the moment. Yeah. yeah. I, I think my closest example to this was in 2019, I had as much as 60% of my money in cash just because there had just been such a lack of opportunities right. up until that point prior to 2020. And I it made a very small investment in Texas Roadhouse in 2019 mm at no margin of safety. So, okay. so yeah. basically it was, I paid twice as much as I would be willing to pay given normal circumstances, yeah. but I only made a very small investment. So right. it was like, I really like this business. It's not giving me a margin of safety, but I have so much cash that I'd rather like trickle a little bit in. Yeah. Um, but I was still by the end of, by the start of 2020, I was still 60% in cash. So it wasn't like I went from 60% in cash to like 30% in cash and buying businesses with no margin of safety. It was very small little bits and pieces here and mm. there just because cash was getting so high. But yep. for the most part, I do want to wait for, for those opportunities because they do come. Yep. Not very often, but seems to be about, be about one per year is, is kind of the, the rate that I've been able to find really mm. good opportunities, whether it's like a market-wide event like the pandemic last year where I could buy a bunch of a few different businesses or whether it's an industry-specific event where... I was able to find just, you know, one business that year that mm. was down while the rest of the market was doing well. Should we do a couple, maybe a couple more couple questions? More. Yeah. Okay, sure. Um, do you have do anyone that's catching your eye? Yeah, let me see if I can find one to read to you. Sure. Um, maybe. Stimulus hmm. checks. 
something about that. I'll, I'll read this one to you. Sure. Uh, do you sell your overvalued stocks? Maybe we answered this last week, but uh, do you sell your overvalued stocks once they pass intrinsic value? Yeah. Uh, or do you keep them for the ride? Yeah, we've answered this. We answer this occasionally, right. don't we? Okay. Um, this one. Um, do you sell your overvalued stocks once they pass intrinsic value? If you're going to sell a stock, then that's the time to do it, right? Once it's gone up a whole bunch and it's mm. way past its intrinsic value. Um, this is, we actually, I remember talking about this because we have slightly different viewpoints. Uh, I'm kind of leaning a little bit more to the way you think about things now. Mm. Um, the way, you know, Peter Lynch would think about things, let profits run, uh, yeah. the way Warren Buffett thinks about things, where if it's a great business, even if it's overvalued, if you, the way I, the way I see it, is you're invested in this business and you got in at a good price and mm. now it's gone up very, very high. All of the value investing principles still apply and you're still thinking long-term. So you're thinking like, okay, I'm an investor in this business and I am an investor and I want to hold this business for 10 plus years. So I just think with that mindset, I'm like, okay, that guides my thinking. I'm like, okay, so the stock's gone up, Tesla's gone up 10x. If mm. I held Tesla for the next 10 years, you do your modeling out. If I'm a shareholder, will I still get a good return? I mean, some stocks are so overvalued that mm. you play out, okay, would I get a good return? I want to hold it for 10 years. Da, 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 da. And it's like, if the company grows at whatever for the next 10 years, at 10 years, the stock price should still be less than what it's at now. And if you get a situation like that, then you're like, oh, holy smokes. It's like, do I have somewhere better where I could put this money? Because this is expansive. Yeah. But generally speaking, I'm like, well, I like this business. I got in at a good price. I'm up and the business looks like it's going to continue to perform. So mm. in most cases, I'm like, oh, good business. I'll just keep holding it. Yeah. Because I want to think like, I don't want to think like I'm a stock investor. Mm. I want to think like I'm an investor in a business. In like business, I almost yeah. want to think like, okay, you're Mark Zuckerberg. I almost want to imagine that I'm going, oh, hi, Mark. How are you? I'm Brandon. Look, I'm mm. thinking about buying into your business. I want to hold for... Can we look at, you know, how's the business operating? I almost mm. want to think about myself like that. Yes. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think it depends on what your portfolio looks like. Like the way that I think about it is if you had a bunch of cash on the sideline, which is the case for me at the moment. Yeah. If there is another opportunity that arises, a business that's offering a good return, yeah. then would I rather <laughs> still have the cash and sell an overvalued business and buy that business? Or would I rather keep the overvalued and get rid of some of the cash? Like mm. which one's which one's worse to hold? And to me, if it's a really good business, in almost every case, we'd be better to hold it rather than holding cash. Like it's yeah. still better to hold the overvalued business that delivers 5% per year, maybe not 15% from that point, but yeah. 5% is still a lot better than the cash. So if you've got cash around, I think there's very little, there is very little reason to sell an overvalued business as long as it's really good. Mm. I think the case is different if you are very much heavily invested and you find a really good opportunity mm. and there's a big spread between this one and this one. So this one's gone up a ton. So the long-term return might be like three or 4% if you keep holding it. Whereas you've found something that's offering 20 plus percent, there's a big enough spread that you can see it's clearly worth getting rid of this one and getting that one. Makes sense. Assuming both businesses are equally great yeah. and, and you know, they're, they're, they're equally strong businesses. So yeah, that's the way I kind of think about it. But that makes sense. In most cases, I think it makes sense to just hold great businesses. And At the end of the day, if you said, do you want to hold money? Do you want a lot in your bank account mm. or do you want to hold cash producing assets 
then I'm like, I'll probably take cash producing assets. Yeah. I'd much rather that. And I think there's something that, I think that's really actually an important point to touch on. I think a lot of people don't realize, just everyday people, just pull people off the street. Mm. They don't realize that holding parts of cash producing assets, like stock, public companies, is much, much better for them, for their own finances, than just having cash. I think a lot of people are so fixated on how much savings do I have? You know, how much money do I have? It's not really about that in terms of financial success. It's like, how much ownership do you have in things that make you money? Yes. I think that's something that gets... For most people, they just don't realize. It's money is simply, if I make more of it, I'm doing better kind of thing. A lot of people are just scared. A lot of people are scared of of buying businesses. They see that stocks can go up and down and they're like, well, what's to say that it doesn't just go to zero if I Mm. put my cash in there? But I mean, if you're investing broadly, you're getting a broad basket of businesses. Even though they can drop in the short term, there is a flaw over the long term for those businesses. Like the S&P 500 is not going to go to zero. Like there's a flaw and the yeah. flaw is the fact that broadly, if you have the whole basket of businesses, you're buying people and systems and products or services. You're buying things that are actually active and that are doing something, producing something. And that will always be a flaw for prices, not in the short term. Anything can happen in the short term, but that acts as a flaw over time for the price of the asset. Whereas something that doesn't produce any cash flow doesn't really have any flaw. Mm. Like there's no reason why it could be the case that people no longer want to buy gold. Yeah. Or that the price goes down so dramatically. Yeah. But as long as the business is sound and it's producing cash, like it's yeah, yeah. it's doing something. There is there's, a value to there's it. There's money coming in the bank account yeah. that is going to come to you direct. Like it could very well come to you directly in, yeah. in a dividend. That acts as a flaw yeah. for the stock price over the long term. Mm. Yeah, and exactly I think, right. I think that's important to understand. Yeah. Yeah, there are some things that by nature have value and that they cannot, well, they should not go to zero because they have value. Yeah. Um, because they, you know, as you're saying, they can make money, businesses can give you dividends or whatever. So mm. even if they just pay you, you know, a couple cent dividend, that that's that owning that stock still has value just purely based on the fact that you're going to receive cash flow without even thinking about actually receiving the cash flow, you know, as a business owner kind of thing. Yeah. Like a lot of people will make the argument will be like, yeah, but if the if the stock doesn't pay a dividend, then some someone still has to pay more for that stock from you. Like it's the mm. same thing as a non-cash producing asset. The difference is kind of just what what I explained. There's a there's a flaw, right? If the stock price for a business that had a ton of cash on its balance sheet hit went down significantly, mm. then it, the management team could easily spend a bunch of money to repurchase shares, which would increase yeah. their value, or they just start paying a dividend. And as soon as they start paying a dividend, people would be attracted and the stock price would go yeah. up. So it, yeah. it acts as that They've floor. got levers that they can pull. They can do different things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, should we do one more question? Yes. I'll, I'll read this. Should I read this last one to you? Uh, this, uh, yeah, sure. I was going to read it to you, but yeah, this, go uh, for Tesla it. Tesla related one. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, oh, is that not the one? No, that's all right. Go for it. Go we'll for it. this Tesla Hit one. Hit me. All right. Can you go through your thought process on Tesla? You mentioned you bought some shares in 2017, uh, but if memory serves, they didn't have a positive trailing EPS uh, yeah. and are still fairly risky. Oh, yeah. Back in 2017. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Tesla's my best investment ever. It's also my riskiest. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's also not even, it wasn't for me, it wasn't even an investment back when I first bought. I was very aware that it was speculative. Mm. Um, it's as time has gone on, 
it's significantly de-risked um, and it's much more of a... Well, I don't know. If you take price away, if you mm. don't consider price and you just buy into the business, it's much more of an investment now as opposed to speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Tesla uh, back in 2017 was one of those ones I was talking about before, the the little gambles. And because I recognized that this could could fail, it's a car company. Car companies don't really make much money. <laughs> Big plans, great visionary leader, but still got a lot of steps to climb before it gets there. So mm. I was like, yeah, it could fail, could turn out terrible, you know, um, at that stage, we were thinking that, you know, Volkswagen would just come out with a, an EV and just trample Tesla like it just, just like that. Mm. Um, so no, I recognized that it was speculative and, um, and so like people think that I'm some flipping millionaire because I got in early on Tesla, but because it was speculative for me, um, I never put that much into it. Yeah. Because it's such a small percentage of my portfolio because I knew it was a gamble. So yeah. it would have been insane for you to do that as well. When, when was it when, like to put all, all your money in there at, yeah. in 2017? Because the company was very close to going bankrupt. Like it wasn't, yeah, they, they wasn't as it. close as I think 2009. I think they were very, very close. Yeah, they were within but, a couple of months. But they were, they were close. They had with to, the delays of the Model 3. Correct, yeah. yeah. So it was very, I remember it was very speculative back mm. then. Yeah. Extremely speculative. Yeah. So... And yeah. anyone who invested back then who put a lot in, like, well, very well done, but even like a speculative amount mm. is, uh, yeah, it, it's done very, very, very well. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of the way that we view businesses and the way that we look at them, it did have some elements of an investment. Like, mm. I definitely saw the competitive advantage that it had. And yeah. obviously, I was well behind the management team. I really believe the management. Um, but there were so many, you know, question marks, valuation, hard to figure out, lack yeah. of financial data and, you know, not not even profitable. So yeah. There were like, there were there were elements of an investment, but overall, once you saw the whole picture, like, I can't, this this is speculation. Yeah. I think for me, it was just the risk of bankruptcy. Yeah. I, okay. I was, I very much thought that there was, and I think there was a very good chance that the business was not going to be able to pay their debts. Yes. And that they were not going to get cash flow positive and enough yeah. to, to a point where, okay, if they didn't reach that point, maybe they would have to sell a bunch of shares and the value of them kind of gets diluted. Mm. I thought that was a very high chance. Yeah. Um, and that that's probably the most speculative part. But it, yeah, it did. It have, had a, a number of other elements that are very, very good. Mm. Founder-run company, clearly a visionary, clear, clearly knows how to build a company. Yep. And they had already established quite a significant brand value, I think. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. So... Yep. Very, very interesting. Um, Hey, cop this one. Mm -hmm. Hey, guys, big fan of the content you both put out. Thank you very much. Uh, Just had a question regarding how to quickly screen a company uh, to see whether it's a great business. I'm currently looking at the historical EPS growth rate and making sure it's consistently above 10% before doing a deep dive into the company. Are there some figures Hmm. that you look at to quickly identify great businesses? Yeah. If you want to do a quick screen, what do you do? First thing I do, I go to quickfs.net website, 10 years of financial data for free. None of this Yahoo Finance last three years. <laughs> yeah. It's useless. Look at the last three years. Does Garbage. Nothing. I want 10 years. In fact, they give you 20 years if you pay if you have a oh, premium account. Really? So I can just pull up and I do have a premium account. I was um yeah. So fortunately I, yeah. I use that. Pull that up. It is a Excel. good website. It is very good. It's not We should get sponsored fancy. by them. I've tried. Have you? <laughs> yeah. Because it's a if you're good listening. website. Anyone from QuickFS? 
please let us know because no, I, I, I've I've spoken to I've spoken to the owner of, of Quick FS a, a few times really? back and forth on email. Very nice guy. Oh. He um. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say this, but he did give me an account, um, okay. a, a premium account, which I now use. Right. But yeah, we never, we were talking about sponsors, but we never kind of went anywhere. So maybe I'll, okay. I'll have to follow up with that. Great website anyway. Yeah, use it. Um, use it. So I pull up 20 years of financial data and I want to see revenue going up consistently, profitable last 10, 15, 20 years, ideally every single year growing over time, low debt compared to equity, low current rate, uh, high current ratio. So way more current assets and current liabilities. Yeah. Cash flow positive. These are the things I'm looking for. Yeah. And then maybe I'll do a quick free cash flow calculation and I'll just check the, I'll, I'll do a, I'll like multiply it by 10 in my head. So if it's like a, if it's like a billion dollars, I go, okay, 10 billion. How close is the share price to a 10, yeah. to a 10 price to free cash flow? Yeah. And then that's kind of my first thing. That makes sense. You know, long-term make sure revenue's going up profitability is going up, you know, cash flow is going up, then what could bust the business, make sure the debts are low, you know, make sure in the immediate future, they've got more assets and liabilities, and then try and do just a very quick, brief valuation just to see if it's worth looking into more. Because you're right, they're like three pillars, profitability, cash flow going up, debt staying low, Mm. valuation somewhere around where I might consider it. And if you can go, oh yeah, Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's like okay, maybe I will go in. I think that's a good way of doing yeah. it. Yeah, and I think you kind of get better at doing those short analysis as you do more because what what I now well, I mean like a ten PE doesn't really tell you anything. Just looking at the PE, no. you need no. to think of it in relationship to growth. But I will know that okay, if cash flow has doubled over the past ten years, that's a seven percent compounded rate of growth. Then I know that I'm only going to be interested in the company if it has a PE of probably less than ten. Whereas if that has quadrupled, then, okay, maybe I'm looking for a 15, 20 PE. Like I kind of already know the ballpark of, of, yeah. of growth in relationship to the price to earnings of the business. So um, mm. you can kind of do it quickly if you, once you've done it a few times. But those are the things I look for. And most companies don't have those things. <laughs> most yeah. companies don't, can't grow their revenues over 15 years. Mm. So that's the first thing. Um, and it eliminates most companies. Yeah. Which is good or bad, depending on how you Yeah, true. It. I would yeah, most companies these days would just get eliminated on price, but yeah, there's a lot of companies out there now that I think about it that are, you know, swamped with debt where we just be like, Yeah, no thanks. Yeah. There's heaps of companies that are, are struggling revenue wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. So lots lots of them. Anyway. Yeah, lots of companies that have only been around for five or so years and they're doing terrific, but the vast it's majority of businesses that. die after yeah, that. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you have to take it with what it is. And on that note, <laughs> most companies up? die. See you later, guys. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You look at, uh, I think it was Charlie Munger that said this in his talk. It's like the components of the S&P 500 or the Dow like mm. 50 years ago, completely different yeah. to what it is now. Oh, yeah. I think most companies, public companies have a lifespan of like between 20 and 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like what that's that seems crazy and i was talking to my girlfriend about this recently and she was like yeah but i mean the you know companies like facebook and google they're not they're still going to be around in 30 years it's like well maybe that's that's what the people 30 years ago were saying about the companies that were at yeah. the top of the s&p 500 that's what or it wasn't even the S&P. oh actually it probably was the s&p 500 30 years ago but i can't remember when it when the index 
started including 500 stocks but anyway mm. that's besides the point but yeah definitely yeah, top uh, polaroid thought yeah kodak Co- yeah kodak. big blue chip how many wolf of wall street references have i made in the, in this <laughs> podcast a big blue chip stock like kodak <laughs> oh my gosh and mm. it's all that speech too i just i keep referencing the same speech anyway you want to go watch wolf of wall street yeah let's do it all right let's go thanks right. guys see you later <laughs>